Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Matthew chapter 14. If you'll find that place in your Bibles, we'll uh, begin reading momentarily. At camp this week, it seemed like in the teenagers, they could, you'll see tonight, we'll show a recap video, I believe, but sometimes there was so much going on, you did not know what was going to happen next. There's a guy eating dog food, and no one really knows why he's eating the dog food, and someone's getting smacked with a tortilla, and next thing you know, there's a guy on the stage eating a ketchup popsicle, and then Miss Jillian is telling yo mama jokes, and it just, it, it was so much happening, right? And uh, that, that's what Matthew chapter 14 is like to me. There's no one in Matthew chapter 14 getting slapped with a tortilla. But there's a lot going on in this chapter. And many of the stories that, that you know, at least a couple of the stories that you probably know best about our Savior are found in this chapter. There's highs, there's lows. There's very happy events, there's very victorious events. There's very sad events. There's a lot going on in Matthew chapter 14. We see the chapter starts with the death of John the Baptist. Of course, he's killed by Herod. Right after that, the the 5,000 are fed. In verse 22 is where we'll start our study this morning. And that's with Jesus, of course, walking on the sea and then calling Peter to walk with him. We'll start reading in verse 22. You could stand with me if you would, please, for the reading of God's word. Begin reading in verse 22 and work our way down through the chapter a little bit. The Bible says this, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. (coughs) And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is the Spirit. And they cried out for fear. Verse 27, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Jesus, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship 
came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Peter is probably the most picked on disciple in the Bible. Isn't it true? When we, when we read this story, when we read of Peter's denial of Christ, when he chops off the ear of, Kai, of those who'd come to take Jesus, all these stories, we love to read of what Peter did, pick it apart, admit how much better we are than Peter, and then go on and reading our scripture. It's true. Peter, he gets the worst end of our criticism sometimes. But I think in this story, we'll see today, we're not so much going to look at Peter's failure, but at the love of God through it. And many of us can relate, hopefully, to what it's like to fail, to, to have a good desire, and to come up short. But for God's love to come in to make the difference and to turn our mess into something that is a beautiful testimony for him. I believe that's what happened in Peter's life and I believe that's what happens in ours and that's what I want to look at this morning. We'll pray and then we'll get into the sermon. Father, we love you. God, thank you for your love for us. God, thank you that you give us your word. And God, thank you that it's, it's a perfect word. God, thank you that all we need for life and holiness is found inside this book. And God, I pray that this morning, uh, your word would be all that is heard. God, would you help my words to exalt yours. And God, that we would all leave more like you because what we learned from, from your book this morning. God, would you please strengthen those who need it. God, humble those of us who need it. God, help each of us to be met at the point of our need this morning. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. See, the first thing that we see about Peter in this story is that he had a great desire to act and to live in faith. Verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And really what the big question is here is at this point, the disciples are unsure if this is even Jesus walking towards them. There are other accounts of this story in the other gospels where the Bible tells us that the disciples think it's a ghost. They think it's maybe a demon. They have no idea who this figure is walking across the water towards them. And as you can picture, it's going just how Jesus said it would go, right? He's not surprised. He told them, you guys get in the boat. I have some things to finish up here. You guys get in the boat. You head to the other side, and I'll meet you over there. And in Jesus' mind, for him to meet them, by boat or, or by walking across the water was no different. But I don't think that's what the disciples had pictured when Jesus told them, I'll catch up, right? I doubt that they were imagining him running across the water to them, but that's what happened. And Peter may be in doubt if it's really Christ or maybe in a step of faith of his own says exactly what we read, bid me come unto thee on the water. 
See, the love of God in us should push us to take steps of faith. And here's the hang-up is steps of faith are often outside of our comfort zones. There'll be very, very... No, I was going to say few of us, but that's not true. There will be none of us who ever walk on water as a step of faith for the Lord. Amen? No? Okay, never mind. Amen? Amen. That's not the step of faith that God has for me, and that's not the step of faith God has for you. It would be a cool one, but that's not in the cards, okay? But each of us can identify areas in our own lives. They're different for me, they're different for you, where God is calling us deeper. Where God is calling us deeper. Many times it's in our own walk and our closeness with him. Where God prods at your heart that he wants more of you. Where God calls to my heart that he wants more of my time. He wants more of my love. He wants more of my investment into my relationship with him. And he's calling deeper and he's pulling us deeper and he's prodding us deeper. And you know that is a step of faith. To believe that that's not time that would be wasted. It's a step of faith to believe that spending time reading a book and having fellowship with someone that I cannot see and talking with someone that I cannot hear. To many, that's craziness. Right? But the faith in us says that a step towards God and a step deeper in a relationship with God is a step that will pay off in my life. It's a step of faith. That God may be calling some of us to take. For many of us, the step of faith that is being identified in our own lives and that God's calling us to do in our heart is, is one of involvement, is a step of ministry. You see, in American church culture has been ruined by consumer Christianity, where the church is no different than the movies. Or the restaurant where we go, we get what we wanted, right? We find our entertainment or maybe we check off that guilty feeling. We pay for our services and we're out the door. And many churches in our country, they embrace that. And we build the church experience for those who want an in and out. And we cater this around how can I check off my box of being at church, of being a Christian, while it costs me as little as is possible. We've all been there. I got to be at church this week. I'm a Christian. But how can I make sure this costs me as little as possible? And here's the truth is that God did not send his son for the church so we could just be consumers. But he sent his son for the church so that we could be active in ministering and bringing others to the saving knowledge of Christ. That's the design. Is that I have been exposed to the gospel. So as a result, I would turn around and expose others to the gospel. And they would turn around and expose others to the gospel. And it's a cycle of one on one on one on one. And as not, God's design is not for everyone to come in, to be saved here 
under the sound of the preacher, to be discipled by the pastors, and then to join the crowd, right, and come in on Sunday and get your fill. No, God's design is for every member of the church to be involved in the gospel sharing process, in the discipleship process. You see, that's what's happening to Peter here. We see Jesus just a few verses before this is feeding the 5,000, right? He's, he's ministering to the masses. Our, one of our favorite stories, he took the five loaves and how many fish? Two? Is he right? Okay, two. He feeds 5,000. And after such a great miracle that involves so many people, we see him just a few verses later zeroing in on who? Peter. And discipling who? Peter. And calling who out by himself? Peter. And Christ is showing us that the gospel model and the church model is that yes, the masses would be preached to. And yes, we would have services like we get to have this morning. But also that every member of the church would be involved in a one-on-one -on -one discipleship of helping someone else along and bringing someone else along and reaching someone else. And once they're reached, helping them to grow. And for many of us, that's the step of faith that God is calling us towards this morning. Towards involvement in his process. Investment into his church. That you be used in a greater way not to be here, but to be a part. You see, the design of God's church is, it's not for me. It's not for you. But chiefly, it's for him. That he would receive glory in this place. And that his work would be accomplished. And that his kingdom would grow. But also, it's, it's not for me and you, but it's, it's for others. It's for those of us who live around us and work around us who have not heard that Jesus Christ died for their sins. Who have never placed their faith and trust in him. You see, here's the thing that the godly desire that Peter had to act and to live in faith. Those desires only come from the new man that is brought alive and quickened in us at salvation. And for someone to try to live in faith or take an active step of faith or trust God in any, in any way in their life without first having that new man would, would be futile. It would be a waste of time. You see, the Bible tells us that in our sin and in our flesh, there's nothing good that comes from that. But those of us who are here this morning, who have accepted Christ, we know that once Christ moves into our hearts, he changes everything. And that a step of faith can only be taken after someone has heard and someone has believed in the gospel of Christ. You say, Evan, what is the gospel of Christ? It's very simple. It's that each of us are sinners. And all of us on our own can do nothing about our sin problem. You see, all of us were born to do wrong. We were born doing wrong. No one had to teach you as a child how to lie. No one had to show you how to fight with a sibling or to disobey a parent. We were all born knowing that. We were born with a sin nature that 
I inherited from my dad and you inherited from your dad and all the way back to Adam when the fall of mankind. We all, we're all sinners and we're all born to be sinners. And you know, here's the problem is that there's nothing that any of us can do about that. There's nothing that I can do to keep from sinning. Why? Because I'm a sinner. It's who I am. And the greater problem with sin is that it cannot be allowed into heaven. See, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin, the payment for sin, the price that each of us must pay for our sin is death. And that's not just death from this earth. That's not just death from your physical body. But no, the Bible tells us it's much worse that, much worse that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. See, the price for each of our sin is, is an eternity in hell. And according to the scriptures, we are hopeless on our own to do anything to avoid that eternity in hell. But God, the Bible tells us, God commended his love toward us. That means God showed or God displayed his love for me and you and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, God looked down at us and he saw this great problem that we, that we talked about this morning. And he saw that we were sinners and we couldn't help it. And the price for sin was hell and we couldn't change it. And he, wouldn't let, he loved us too much to let us go that way, is what the Bible tells us. And he sent his own son and Jesus came to this earth as fully man and fully God. He lived a perfect life. Jesus walked through all the steps that you walked through in your life. He was a sibling. He was a son. He was a friend. He was a brother. He, he had all the relationships that I, me and you have. He had all the temptations that me and you have. But you know, he never faltered in them like me and you have. The Bible tells us he knew no sin. Jesus never sinned in his time on this earth. And at the end of his life, he died on the cross. He paid the price for sin. Now, if Jesus had never sinned, whose sin was he paying the price for? Mine. Yours. The Bible tells us he became sin. Who knew no sin. So that we might become his righteousness. You see that's the beauty of the gospel. Is that Jesus lived a perfect life. And still chose to die that death on the cross. To pay the punishment for sin. Why? So that me and you would be freed from that punishment. And it doesn't end there. They buried him. And three days later he rose from the grave. And by rising from the grave, you know what Jesus did? He defeated death so that me and you would no longer be bound by death. On the cross, he broke the chains of sin for us. From the grave, he broke the chains of death for us. And he freed us from those. And the Bible tells us very clearly that all we have to do is believe in our heart these things. That Jesus did come to this earth. That he did live a perfect life. That he did die for our sins. And confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? Literally to pray, to confess to him, to ask him, God, forgive my sins. I believe in you. Come into my heart. Save me. And with that simple prayer, the Bible tells us that our sins are forgiven. You say, Evan, that's too easy. That's too easy. If it was any harder, we couldn't do it. Isn't that truth? 
If there was any work required of me or standard required of me to make it to heaven, I wouldn't make it. I'd fall short. But God made it so easy where all we have to do is call upon his name. Believe in our heart. On, in Jesus. And confess with our mouth that he was raised from the dead for our sins. And the Bible tells us, if you do those things, thou shalt be saved. So before we go any farther talking about a step of faith for the believer, if you're not a believer this morning, and if you hear the simplicity of the gospel and you say, that's, that's never something that I've lived, that's never a decision that I've made, that prayer to Christ to call on him for, for the forgiveness of my sins, that's nothing I've ever, I've ever been able to do. Friend, you're in a place this morning with many, many people who would love to help you make that decision. And here in just a few minutes, we're going to have a time of invitation where you will be invited and we would love to have a lady talk with a lady or a man talk with a man to, to be able to help you through that decision and talk you through from the Bible, not from what our church thinks, not from what our pastor has decided he believes. No, friend, from what God tells us in the Bible is a simple way to heaven. So before any of us desire a step of faith, we first must have settled in our heart that there is a new man, that God has quickened us, that the Holy Spirit does live inside of us. And once that is sure in your life, we must ask God this morning for new desires of faith from him. Because here's the thing, church. Is my Christian life and your Christian life gets very stagnant very fast. And it becomes so easy to say, this is what I do. This is when I do it. This is how I do it. This is who I do it with. Check, 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 check. And we're good to go. But just like Peter, in new situations in life, as some of us are doing the same thing we've been doing for a long time, some of us are in brand new circumstances. Whichever place you find yourself in this morning, would you ask God to give you some new desires for him? I can't tell you what God wants you to do next. If our pastor was here this morning, he could not tell you what God wants you to do next. But you know who can? Is God. Each of us this morning could take another step of faith this week. Whether it's relationally, to invest more time into our walk with Christ, whether it's, it's ministerially, to go deeper in our involvement in gospel outreach through our church, to come to church and not just accept the benefits of all the different many ministries that are here and these people take these age kids and those people take those age kids and someone makes the coffee and I just go right in. Why don't you have a part in some of that sometime? I don't know what that step is for you, but... Church, would you ask God this week to plan in your heart a desire to take a deeper step? To take a deeper step. Very quickly after we see Peter's desire, we see his distress. You guys know the story very well. We'll pick up in verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. So here's Peter, he's in the boat. And he very simply says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out there. 
Verse 29, and Jesus, and he said, that's Jesus speaking, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. See, what started for Peter as a great miracle quickly turns into a life-threatening situation. Right? And what, what started as like almost a hero moment for Peter, right? We know from other stories about Peter that he liked to feel important. Peter liked to be the man at the front. So imagine, for a personality type like this, I know we have some personality types like that in the room. I'm probably one of them. If you're one of those, put yourself in those shoes. There's the other 11 disciples in the boat. And it's just you and Jesus out on the water walking around together. This was what Peter dreamed about at night. Right? Picture it. Picture it. He's on the water with Christ. He's the only one who told Christ, Lord, if it's you, bid me. Here he is with more faith. He's having this one-on-one -on -one experience with Christ while everyone else is afraid in the boat. This is everything that Peter probably wanted the situation to turn into until what happens? But, verse 30, there it is, when he saw the wind boisterous. When he saw the wind. You see, Peter did not need faith based on his first three steps on the water. I know that doesn't make sense right now. Give me just a second. Peter did not need faith that was based on the fact that he'd already started to walk on the water. Peter's faith could have gone back just a few verses to the power of God at the feeding of the 5,000. See how close those two things are in this chapter? It's like we talked about. The feeding of the 5,000 ends at verse 21. Verse 30, nine verses later, Peter is sinking. It's, it's just later on that night where Peter's faith was quickly weakened by his circumstances when all he had to do was remember the deliverance and the power of God in circumstances just a few hours before. And I know in my own life, and you know in your life, the times when our God has come through for us in big ways. Amen? It, you shouldn't have, a Christian should not have to think long to remember the days of great deliverance from God. In times when it looked like there was no hope, it looked like there was no help, we didn't know where it was going to come from, we didn't know how all the numbers were going to add up, we didn't know how the family was ever going to be fixed, and then our God stepped in and He made a difference. And you know, the next time that we find ourselves in a distressing situation, whether that's for you right now, like Peter, you feel like you're just sinking, it's falling apart, you don't know what's going to turn it around. Or, or whether that's, you're feeling pretty good right now, but listen, friend, that situation is coming for all of us. Distress is right around the corner for the Christian. And the Bible tells us here that, through the example of Peter, that if we're always building our faith based on the situation that we're in, 
Our faith's going to be up and down and up and down, just like Peter's was in this situation. When he first got out of the boat, he was feeling good. Faith was high. Situation was fine. He looked around. The wind was loud. The waves were big. His focus started to drift from Christ. Really started to think about how bad the situation was. And he finds himself sinking. And you know, as long as our faith is circumstance-based, we will never be any different than Peter. As long as our trust in God is only as big as how comfortable we are with where he has us, our faith will never be any stronger than Peter's. But in each Christian life, there has to come a day where I decide and where you decide that I will not place my faith in what the situation looks like around me. And I will not build my faith based on how good things look or if the outlook's good or if the outlook is bad or based on my emotions in the situation. But I will place my faith and build my faith around a God who's good in every situation. And my faith will be bigger than just where I'm living right now. And if Peter would have only looked back to the power of God earlier that day, the same is true for us. If we would only look back to the power of God in our lives and all the times that he's come through and the times he's been big for your family, the times he's provided in your life and the works that he's done in your heart and the things that he's changed for you, and if our faith is built upon that and not upon our circumstances, then we will find a stronger, more enduring faith. Why? Why? Because we're better Christians? No, no, no. Because our faith is built on a stronger and more enduring person, and that is Christ. When our faith is built upon him, it doesn't waver based on circumstances. Why? Because he does not waver based on circumstances. God is so much bigger than just the day you're living. Never forget that. God is so much bigger than just the day that you're living. Let our faith be that way as well. Do you ask God today to make your faith so much bigger? Help your faith to, to see a little bit more of the big picture? To trust that maybe just because you can't see what God's doing in this little slice of the pie, that he is doing something in the greater picture. We ask God to help us to believe that today. Here's the wonderful part of the story is that it doesn't end with Peter's trouble. The story is not over when Peter begins to sink. You see, when Peter knew he was going down, he cried to the only one who could help him. You know the story well. In verse 30, beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? How many of you guys, uh, you played baseball or softball as a kid? Are a few of us? How many of you know the, the worst feeling in a baseball or a softball game? It's to walk back to the dugout after a strikeout. Right? Who's been there? Strike three comes, whether you're looking or swinging, it's gone. And you have that walk back. I just imagine 
Peter and Jesus walking back to the boat. And Peter feels very similar to that. Right? You're dragging your bat. Helmet's already unbuckled. Just pouting about life. Probably about how Peter felt. And here is where we miss the truth of the story. As we often, from verse 31, Jesus pulls them out. Jesus says, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Peter failed. Peter gets scolded. Peter learned a lesson. Move on to chapter 15, right? That's how many of us read through this story. You see, here's the important truth. Is that even though Peter felt as though he had failed, he strengthened the faith of others and brought glory to God in his step of faith. Verse 33. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, thou art the Son of God. You see, the beautiful thing about the God who calls us to take our steps of faith is that whether it works out or it doesn't, he has the power to turn it into a good thing. You see, from Peter's perspective, this was just a wasted day. From the way Peter saw it, he tried and he failed, embarrassed himself in front of all his friends, I don't, know, I don't know exactly what Peter would say, but his commentary right after he got out of the boat, right after he got back in the boat, he's still dripping wet, probably wouldn't have super positive outlook on the situation. But you know what? God saw a bigger picture and said, Peter, you failed. You had little faith. But you know what? The faith of the other 11 in the boat was grown by Peter's step. And Peter was probably very humbled after this. He felt very small, which some of us need from time to time. But here's the truth of it, is that even, with, even in Peter's failure, God received glory and other people's faith was grown. And here's the fact of the matter is, we are human. So every time that God calls us to take a step of faith, it doesn't always end well. Sometimes it will, and God will help. Sometimes it won't. And God will help. Not because you're a good Christian, not because you're a bad Christian, no, because you're a person. Every step of faith does not turn out the way that we pictured it all in our heads. And everything that God calls us to do doesn't end up the way that we thought it would. But can I tell you this, that there's never a wasted step of faith with our God. Because when, even when Peter would look back at the situation and say, that's nothing like I pictured it would be. I messed it up. Me could not have made that any worse. You know what God said? Peter, and he, he, didn't, he didn't cut Peter any slack. Peter was still scolded. Oh, thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? But God said, Peter, this is, this is bigger than you. This is bigger than you. See, there's 11 men in the boat who in verse 33 will, will worship me and will have greater faith in the Son of God because of the step of faith that Peter took. So like I said at the beginning, I don't know 
what the step of faith in each of our lives is. But I know this. There's a step of faith that needs to be taken in each of our lives. And we will have to trust the Holy Spirit today in my heart and in your heart to identify, God, where are you calling me deeper? God, where are you calling me deeper? And for some in the room today, it might be that first step of faith to accept and to believe that Christ died for your sins and that you can be forgiven and that with just a simple prayer of accepting God's gift, you can be on your way to heaven when you leave here today. For some of us, that's a step of faith. And I said it before, but I'll say it again. You're, you could not be in a better place to take that step. And if you're here today and you're not 100% for sure that you would be on your way to heaven and you're not quite sure how all that works and you have some questions and we, we would love to be able to help talk to you this morning and help work those things out. And if that's the step of faith you need to take, I encourage you to take it. Come talk to us about that. But in each of our lives, is it financial? Is it in ministry? Is it in your involvement in this place? Church, please, don't be a consumer. Don't just come and enjoy and leave and never contribute to what God's doing in this place. Can I tell you that the temptation of consumer Christianity is that you just want to go and be blessed and leave. But people in this room will tell you there is no way to be more blessed and to feel more blessed than to get involved and to serve here. Those in our church who are, are involved, I know I think of Brother Bill. Every time that I talk to Brother Bill about something he's involved in with helping in our ministry, the first thing out of his mouth, oh, it's a blessing. Right? And you know what? I think Brother Bill believes that. Just like many of you that are involved in our church, he has learned it is more blessed to give than to receive. And if you will get your hands dirty in this place and become involved in the work of the gospel through our church, you will be blessed. You'll find more blessing in being an active part of God's ministry than you ever could know in just being a consumer and just coming and watching and listening. And if, you think that's, if you think that's a blessing, I beg you, take that step of faith. Come talk to us. We have so much going on this summer between Kids Day Camp and many things that are still on the calendar coming up that we would love for you to be a part in serving in. And can I say, if you've served with us before, or if you've, you've been coming, but that's never something you've done, we would love to have you be a part. Not just because it's a help to us, it is, but because I'm telling you, there's no greater blessing than being involved in the ministry of God. Why? Because when we put our value on things that God puts his value on, he puts our blessing on us. When we place emphasis on the places where God places emphasis, and when we give importance and time to the thing that God gives importance and time to, his blessing comes into our lives. Ultimately, Peter would learn that a ministering life that's only purpose is to follow God 
step by step. Not accomplish personal definitions of success, but rather seek the kingdom of God would be the greatest step of faith that he could take. And if you read through the rest of the New Testament, you see Peter take that step. Where this one step of faith out of the boat turned into for him step after step after step after step all the way to his grave. Following God and taking those steps of faith. And you know what the good news is? If you feel like you failed, like Peter failed stepping out of the boat that day, is that that wasn't Peter's last step. That wasn't his last chance to take a step. See, he failed. God still received glory through his failure. And then later down the road, you know what God presented Peter with? Another step of faith. Many of us have failed. All of us have failed. And you know, if you're coming fresh off one of those failures, God has another step for you. Today, God has another step for you.